Let's begin our time of worship this evening and hear from Psalm 145. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendour of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. Well, very warm welcome to our time of worship here this evening. If you're with us or if you're joining us online, uh, you're very welcome. It's good to have you here. And a special welcome to John Woods and his wife with us this evening. John Woods has come up from Lansing and... um, Very warm welcome to you. We look forward to hearing you preach for us this evening. When we have visiting preachers, we're we're often interested to know about their own church situation or the the ministry that they're involved with. And uh, John's involved with training preachers and especially uh, preachers in Latvia. So uh, after the first hymn, John's going to come up and give us a few minutes of uh, information, some feedback on that for us this evening. Well, today we've given thanks for our Queen and her monumentous reign. Uh, But we've also had our thoughts raised much higher to the King of Kings and the King of Queens. If if the monarch is human, they are worthy of our respect and honour. If the monarch is the creator of the universe, the eternal living God, not only is he worthy of our respect and our honour, but he's worthy of our worship and our devotion, and our adoration. And uh, our first hymn that we're going to sing helps us to express that this evening. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne, while heaven's eternal anthem drowns all music but its own. Let's stand to sing this together.
It all begins with a voice. Um, the whole of creation begins with a voice as God speaks a world into being. And we speak still. We speak to communicate who God is and what he's doing in our world. Uh, for 22 years, I spoke the word in, in Lansing, Lansing Tabernacle, and 2020, February 2020, my last Sunday at Lansing Tab, and I began a, an international travelling ministry. Um, and as you know, in, in 2020, um, things changed considerably in, in March, so that international travel was really very difficult. Uh, there's a Portuguese proverb that says, God sometimes writes straight with a crooked stick. And that's right. I think most of us have experienced something of that in the last couple of years. And although I was not able to do some of the, the visits I'd anticipated, I couldn't get to Ukraine or to Azerbaijan as was planned in 2020. I've been able to visit those places and other places online. Unusually, I've been able to get back to Latvia quite a few times during that, that two-year period. And that meant um, spending a little bit of time in, in quarantine. Um, and the crooked stick um, was involved there too. Um, I, I was able to do some writing. And, and just this last week, I've um, been able to see a, a book published called God is in the House, which is about, about preaching. And I think probably, um, had COVID not happened, I don't think I would have probably... Um, given time to write. I had a very full diary in 2020, which very quickly emptied. So um, I, I was not wasting my time. My links with Latvia um, go back 30 years. And I'm involved with a, a group called the Latvian Biblical Centre, which, um, which trains Christians from different denominations in, in Latvia. And we've set up a, a school of preachers there, which is a two-year programme. Just had our second lot of... Um, Students come through that. They come for eight weekends to, to learn about preaching from different parts of the Bible. And then they meet in small cluster groups in local areas to talk through a 10-minute video that sent them to um, tease out some of the things they've been learning. And they, they talk about that. And we're, we're very pleased to have 11 of those students graduating, God willing, in a week or so's time. And it's been remarkable um, that during um, this time of uh, of, of lockdown and, and COVID that, uh, that the programmes have continued online and sometimes in person and we have about 50 students graduating um, in June which is remarkable and if, if you could pray we'd value your prayers for um, a new recruitment I think uh, some students felt that they didn't want to commit themselves to uh, coming and studying when they were half in person and, and half online so hoping that we'll see a good intake of students um, in the future. Now, um, I guess probably you've been praying about Ukraine. Um, it's been interesting to make friends in Ukraine over the last couple of years in a seminary in Kiev called um, Realist Seminary uh, and the preaching club that, um, that they're involved in. One of the things that the Latvian Biblical Centre has been doing over the last few months is, is welcoming um, Ukrainian refugees. Um, we, we've had people living there at the centre, not for a long period of time. They've kind of arrived and, and, and reflected on where they're going to go, some of them to Germany, some to America, and, and so on. 
very moved um, going in March. The first person I met going into the building, a lady called Helena from Ukraine with her two daughters, um, almost at a moment's notice, having to leave her country with almost nothing. What impressed me was, was her smile. And uh, just a few weeks ago, when I went again to, uh, to Latvia, there were two families, um, Ukrainian families. They, they cooked a Ukrainian meal on a Sunday evening, which they kind of do on a regular basis. And there was a new family I met, hadn't met before, and they'd just left Ukraine and had just heard that two days before their house had burned down. And again, people with a remarkable brightness of spirit, singing songs and welcoming. And uh, please pray for Ukraine and, and pray those, that prayer in Psalm 68. Um, Scatter the nations that delight in war. I train preachers. I train preachers in the UK. I train preachers um, in Latvia and other places. Um, we've got a little conference actually not too far away from here in Eastbourne called the Dead Preachers Society. That's um, a conference held on the 5th and 6th of July um, where we're going to be learning from some people in the past to help us to think about the present and prepare for the future. Um, I heard about um, Forrest Fold many years ago. Um, I read um, Stanley Delver's book, Preaching Peace. Very moved by that book. Um, and particularly a couple of the stories in there that, um, that speak about an experience of, of God's power that was astonishing. And here we are on the day of Pentecost. Um, remembering that it all began with the spoken word. And it's, um, it's good to be here today and to, to see God's people um, assembled to hear what God has to say to us. Amen. That's your Bible. John, thank you for that. Let's, uh, let's pray together now, uh, thinking of some of those things as we pray. Oh Lord, our gracious God, help us as we come to pray to you this evening. Lord, how thankful we are to meet together freely, in peace, and with your word in front of us, and with someone to preach from your word. Lord, we thank you for that. We come and bow before you, the living God. And Lord, we have today had our eyes raised to the King of Kings. Lord, we bow before you because you are worthy of our praise, you're worthy of our worship. You've not treated us how we deserved, but in mercy you have shown us your wonderful grace through the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we were thinking of the Queen of Sheba this morning, as we look into your love and your grace toward us, we say, the half wasn't told us of your greatness, of your wisdom, and of your power. Lord, what a blessing it is to be your subject. What a blessing it is to know the King of love. What a blessing it is that though we were your enemies, now we are seated at your table. We have uh, spiritual blessings beyond measure. Lord, you've been so good to us. And if we're your people here tonight, we pray that you will rekindle that flame of love and commitment to you as we meditate on your grace towards us. And Lord, if we're not in your kingdom, we are, we're not free from your reign. 
In fact, we're enslaved by our own sin and our own rebellion against you. And so, Lord, as the kingdom gates, the gospel kingdom gates are wide open again this evening, Lord, would you draw people into your kingdom? Maybe here this evening. Lord, would you give people faith? Lord, would you draw them into your kingdom? We pray. Lord, we thank you um, for this day that we remember of the day of Pentecost and we read in Acts of that awesome day of power when the Holy Spirit descended upon that small group of disciples who then spread out the word in many different languages and so then the gospel spread throughout the world. Oh Lord, we we pray for days like that again where we we won't get the same uh, experience but we pray for the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what we pray for. Because your word without it is a wonderful book but it is a book. Lord, we're so privileged to have it but we want it to be something which grips us, something which changes us, something which transforms us from this evil world system and that grounds us in truth and that grounds us in knowing God and that makes us strong as Christians and that makes us useful in your kingdom. So Lord, we pray that wherever the gospel has been preached today, through evangelistic opportunities as the Queen celebrations um, have been um, celebrated and, and through the general preaching of your word, we pray that you'll mightily speak. We pray that you would raise up men who will faithfully preach your word. Lord, there are many who want to hear a gospel that is uh, adjusted to their own uh, desires, to their own accommodating. But Lord, we want to hear the truth. We want to hear the truth that convicts us because only then can we be made more like Christ. Lord, we pray for John and ask that you'd bless him in his ministry of training up others to preach the word. We thank you for those uh, 50 delegates who have, uh, have worked and trained um, throughout that program. We pray that as they graduate very soon that they would be uh, placed in very useful uh, ministries so the gospel is faithfully preached and faithfully heard we pray that a good number of people will sign up to the new course for the coming year Lord we, we pray especially at this time for Ukrainian Christians we pray for the opportunities that even during their suffering that they have to share the love of Christ with others who are also suffering who are also refugees who are also on the run. We pray that through the evil intentions of some people, that many people might be drawn into your kingdom. Where the king is the one who sits on the throne forever, his throne will never be overturned. Lord God, you are the all-sufficient God for all of our lives, for our days of sorrow and bereavement. You are the all-sufficient God for our failure and our sinfulness. You are the shepherd who restores our soul. You are the king who we can rejoice in. 
You are the king who we can give thanks to because we owe everything that we have to your grace and your love toward us. Lord, how we thank you for these great things. Lord, our our daily lives are filled with your blessing. We have so much. And we want a, a grateful, thankful heart that at least begins to match up to the lavish generosity you've showered on us. Lord, help any of us who are are walking through the mire and the struggles of life, where doubts to our faith are rising in our hearts, where we struggle with things we can't understand, where the sovereignty, the mystery of how God works, his straight lines in a crooked uh, with a crooked pen, with a crooked stick. We, we struggle with those things. And yet, Lord, we pray that you'd help us to humble ourselves so that we come under your sovereign will. Lord, that we submit to a good and gracious king. That though we don't know all the answers and though we couldn't possibly understand the way you work, yet as we think of your character, we weigh up what we know of you and your your holiness, your greatness, your justice, your mercy, your love, your power. And we cast ourselves into your hands and say it's a safe place to be. I entrust everything that I am. I entrust everything that I do not understand. I entrust all my suffering, all my difficulties, all my days into a kind and wise Father. Lord, would you help us do that? We thank you for your patience with us, that as we wander and go astray like sheep, you draw us back to you. Lord, do help us as we face this coming week. Lord, we ask that you'd help us in our different workplaces, help us in the responsibilities of home life and rearing our children. Lord, give us grace and patience. We pray that through our lives the gospel will be seen. We pray that we will demonstrate your compassion and grace to others. Forgive us for our legalism. Forgive us for our judgmentalism. And Lord, help us um, to, to be those who love, to be those who are merciful. Help us to be like you, Lord, we pray. So, Lord, how we thank you for your word. We ask you to help John as he preaches from that this evening. Lord, do change us. Do do help us to open up our hearts to you, that you would search us, that you would know our thoughts. Lord, we can't hide anything from you, and our, our desire for your people is to be changed. We Admit, Lord, it's a a slow process often, and we thank you for your patience. But, Lord, do change us, we pray, and ask that you'll be with us in this time together. Amen. Well, we're going to have our Bible reading now, and it is found in Luke. Gospel account written by Luke, and we're in chapter 11, which is on page 869 in the Church Bible. We're going to read from verse 1 to 13. In our home groups this week, we're we're planning to look at the theme of prayer, following on from this evening. So do do get there if you can. Uh, Those of us who go to those groups often find it a really encouraging time. I'm sure you'll be greatly blessed. And more importantly, the whole group will be encouraged uh, to spend time together studying God's word. We're in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. 
Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I've nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Well, we're looking forward to John preaching from that passage for us after we've sung our next song together. It's uh, focusing our, our minds on this higher throne uh, where that great day as believers we look forward to being with people from Latvia, from Ukraine, from the, the widest parts of this earth, from today and to the end of the world and from since history began. What a great gathering that will be to worship the living God, whose throne stands, uh, not, uh, not governed by age or anything like that, but it is a solid thing. There is a higher throne than all this world has known, where faithful ones from every tongue will one day come. Let's stand to sing.
Thank you again for your welcome. And we're going to turn to that reading in Luke chapter 11. When his disciples had seen him pray, they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. It's the first time in the Gospels, the only time in the Gospels, when the disciples ask Jesus to teach them something. Um, and it, it, it's therefore you know, somewhat unique. Uh, this is a, a very special occasion. I don't know if you ever say to people, can you show me how to do that? Perhaps something impresses you, or something you know, intrigues you or challenges you, and you think, you'd like to do that. Will you please show me? It's obviously something very special. I remember when I became a Christian, I was 16 years old, I uh, responded to an invitation to, to go to a young people's evening on a Friday evening as a result of a friend at school inviting me to go along. And what struck me about that particular occasion was listening to, to people my age, reading from the Bible, um, as though they were hearing a message from God. And young people my age speaking out, praying, as though they were talking to a real person. And I remember uh, the conversation with the man who dropped me home at my house at the end of that evening. I said, I want to know God like that. In effect, I was saying, you know, Lord, teach me um, to pray. Lord, teach me to, to encounter God, to relate to God in this way. I want to know God like that too. And I think if we grasp who Jesus actually is, we grasp the relationship that he has eternally, um, we, we grasp what he has to offer us, all of us um, want to learn from him. Lord, teach us to pray. Does this need to be turned on or... or um, Maybe, or maybe it's the other way. Let's hope I've been given the right one. Yeah, 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 no. Or, or you could progress it on, that's fine. I can cope with that as well. Ah, that's okay, that's no worries, it's fine. Um, sometimes God writes straight with a crooked stick. See if that works. I'm sure that does no work, that's great. Splendid, okay, we're, we're good now. The unique thing that these disciples were witnessing was a human being encountering the fatherhood of God. But a very special human being. A human being who um, had a relationship with God the Father before he was born. It's a unique thing. Someone asked this question. What was it like to be Jesus? What was it like to be Jesus? Someone who had eternally lived with the Father and comes to earth as a human being and is born as a baby. Who has a mind that develops. Who has a personality that grows. Who learns obedience, we're told, by the writers of the Hebrews. What was it like to be Jesus? You kind of just backtrack a few moments into, into Luke chapter um, 10. You see that 
something of what these disciples were encountering as they were hearing Jesus pray was something very deep. Jesus was experiencing the fatherhood of God. And there in in chapter 10, we read in verse 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. And that phrase, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, working together in in perfect harmony. I remember um, a visiting preacher at our church. Um, He was a very famous preacher, very well known around uh, the country and around the world. Now, he came for, for our special church anniversary, and it was a custom Church leaders would ask uh, the visiting speakers, not just to preach, but to pray, to pray for the church. Now, I do remember the sermon, actually, quite clearly from that day, um, but I particularly remember the prayer. It was as though I had been transported to another place. It was as though I was kind of eavesdropping on someone who had a very intimate relationship with God. It was an invitation, really, um, to come up higher. It was an invitation to get a little closer. Um, because um, there is more of God than perhaps any of us can imagine. You know, sometimes people turn away from the living God. They turn away from the Christianity they've been taught because they feel that there's not much there. They feel that they've perhaps outgrown it. They've seen it and done it. They've been there. They've got the T-shirt, perhaps two T-shirts. But we need to remember that there is always more of God than we can imagine. Um, Enough of God to fill a lifetime. Enough of God to satisfy a person for a lifetime. And to continue to intrigue, continue to draw us to himself. Here is someone, Jesus, who is praying. Who has the breath of the Holy Spirit that we remember here on the day of Pentecost. The breath of the Holy Spirit breathing through him. And it's expressed by breathing out prayers to his Father. I said that it all begins with a word. It does. It begins with a word. God breathing out his word, speaking to us. And the Christian life uh, begins with us breathing in the words of the Father. And the Christian life continues as we breathe out prayers and response, words in response to God. Breathing in, breathing out. Here is a a man who has the breath of the Spirit within him and there is no wall of resistance. There is nothing which is clashing with that movement and voice of the Holy Spirit. Here is someone who is absolutely moving in the direction of the Holy Spirit himself. And that's what the disciples witnessed. Teach us to pray. They were not asking for a technique. They were not asking for a form of words, although Jesus does give them a form of words. They were asking for something more. Lord, teach us to pray. 
And in effect, what Jesus is saying in this prayer he teaches them is that prayer is about relationship. It's about a relationship with God and it's about a relationship with other people. It helps us to see how we can love God with our heart, soul, mind and strength and how we can love our neighbour as ourselves. It's about a relationship that is both vertical and horizontal. That's what he's teaching them. Of course, that's what Jesus modelled. Jesus, as he becomes man, is the one who grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and men. He is the one who always did the will of his Father and was always available to the people who are around him in their needs and their circumstances. It's all about relationships. The Lord's Prayer is about relating to the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it begins with a word. Now, someone has said that no one's favourite version of the Lord's Prayer is Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of cut down. It's, um, it's reduced. It's um, reduced to the, the very bare minimum. So the, the opening address is Father. It's no more elaborate than that. Prayer begins as we relate to the living God as a father. The father who has made all things and the father who draws near to us to draw us into a relationship with himself. It's the address of God as father that makes this relationship possible and makes prayer possible. Prayer is not about knowing the right words to say. It's about knowing the right person to speak to. It's about having a life that has been opened to the living God as our Heavenly Father. And as we read in, in Luke ten twenty one, there is a chemistry at work in the prayer life of Jesus. The dance of the Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And there is when Christians pray, Father, a certain chemistry. When we pray, Father, it means that we've come home. It means that we've come home to the God who has made us for himself and made us to have joy in him, to have our deepest joy, our deepest satisfaction in him. To say Father means that we're connected with the one who has given us life. I like to think of prayer as an invitation into a relationship. At the heart of the universe, there is a relationship. We have been made by the community God. We've been made by God who is three in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. There was a relationship that existed before the creation of time and God, in calling us to himself, is saying, step into this relationship, encounter this relationship personally in your experience that this might be real for you too. 
That's what it means to become a Christian, doesn't it? Because of Jesus, Paul writes to the Romans, the Father pours out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he has given us. That's what we celebrate at Pentecost. We celebrate that God has poured out a gift in the Lord Jesus Christ of his love by his Holy Spirit that we might know him personally. That's what's on offer. A relationship that is as deep as eternity itself, that is as strong as the industrial strength relationship of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Father, as we pray, we enter into a relationship with him. Of course, um, Jesus does give a framework for our praying. He gives us a, a certain structure by which we, we approach God. And this structure is, is personal, and it's, um, it's succinct and, and clear. Um, the, there are just 38 words. It takes just a few seconds to say. But it's a life-changing prayer, life-changing words that help us to centre our lives and orientate our lives upon who God is and what God's agenda is for our world and what God's agenda is for our lives. It provides us with a brand new centre in life. It's a framework that reminds us what is at the heart of our existence. Um, Again, those words are quite simple, aren't they? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Quite timely, really, on this day where we remember uh, a sovereign who has reigned for 70 years in the United Kingdom. Uh, Someone who has been something of a, a human constant for probably nearly all of us who, who live in this, who are in this room. Um, a constant for us in our, in our lives as we've lived up, grown up in Britain. What Jesus is saying is that, that prayer is centred upon the reality that there is only one number one. Now, of course, you know, if you would have a chart up here, 70 years, and then you had next to that chart, God's reign, well, 70 years would seem so very small, wouldn't it? We are so thankful for those 70 years. God is the king. There is only one number one. There can never be another that rivals him. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Now, compressed in those words are the desire for for God to make his kingdom work in our lives, our individual circumstances, our choices, our dreams, our desires. To see God at work and establishing his kingdom in our families and our communities, our nation and our world. It governs the way that we think about the world. We want God to be at work. We want God to be acknowledged and honoured. We want God to um, work in our time to bring transformation. It's a reminder, isn't it, that 
all life, all the issues of life, all the problems of life, somehow need to be funneled through our drawing near to this God and seeking that he might be honoured and that he might rule. There is an explosion of joy, isn't there, at the end of time in the book of Revelation, where we read of those in heaven saying, Hallelujah! The Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. There is a palpable sign of relief. There's been so much rubbish, so much junk through human history, so many distractions, diversions, rebellions. Suddenly, people have allowed the penny to drop. Everything has clicked into place. They've joined the dots and suddenly they've realised that the one who has been hidden in plain sight as king throughout all time is the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we subversively pray in our day, your kingdom come. May you, the number one, be seen to be the number one in our generation. May people see who you are and know who you are today. Of course, that's what happens when a person becomes a Christian. When a person becomes a Christian, they say, I am not the king of my life. The universe does not revolve around me. It is not all about me having my own way. It's not all about my self-love. It's about me knowing God, loving him trusting his son, knowing his forgiveness, submitting myself to him, following him, being his servant. Yes, um, the Lord's Prayer gives us a new framework for life, a new framework, a new lens through which we view the whole of our life and the whole of our world. He is the king. And just don't go forgetting that. He is the king. Is he your king? Is he your king? Of course, Jesus in this framework also teaches us something about a new dependence, a new dependence upon God. Um, We're we're in a a very needy time. We're in a time when some people are severely economically squeezed. We're in a time when, when people are wondering about whether they should heat their homes or whether they will eat. There are people who are making very down-to-the-bone decisions about their economic circumstances, and maybe there are people here who are worried about their economic circumstances, where the next thing is going to come from for their livelihood. Jesus is helping us to think about what it means to depend upon God. And it's a reminder, very important statement, we cannot be ourselves by ourselves. We cannot be ourself by ourselves. We are not people who are self-sufficient. None of us are. In fact, if if God, like um, some Putin, switched off the gas supply, but instead switched off the oxygen supply, the sustenance supply of the whole world, where would we be in a moment? We'd be gone. All of us would be gone. The air that we breathe, the water that we drink, 
the land upon which we live, all of it comes from God. We are dependent creatures, yet we want to live independently. We want to be independent, yet Jesus teaches us that we are dependent. And this prayer reminds us every day that we are dependent upon God for every aspect of our lives. You are my sufficiency, the prayer says. You are my saviour. You are my security. It begins with bread. As interesting, in the Lord's Prayer, the middle, the very centre of the prayer is bread. Give us each day our daily bread. You know, this is one aspect of the prayer that's really important, isn't it? Because if God doesn't answer this prayer, we're not going to have energy left to pray any of the other requests. If we don't get the bread to sustain us, we're not going to, however however interested we are in forgiveness and protection from evil, we're not going to have the energy to pray those things. Bread is vital, isn't it? Um, the, the, the human supply of human needs, so very important in our lives. Bread. Give us today our daily bread. Of course, this goes back to a society where, where people were on the kind of original zero-hour contracts, where they were paid each day, and they were paid the daily rate, and, and then they were able to buy the things to sustain them. And those things would just be enough to the next day when they worked again, and then received the daily rate again, and, and they bought what they needed, quite literally. Their daily bread was something that they daily received. They didn't do a monthly shop from uh, Sainsbury's um, or or Tesco. Um, The the, the van didn't arrive with all of those crates of of goodies. It was a daily thing. It's difficult for us to kind of entirely think about that unless we are economically squeezed and we are wondering where the next penny um, is going to come from. Give us today our daily bread. But you know, even if we're we're resourced, even if we um, have a full larder and we have a home around us, we sometimes forget that the intelligence, the health, the energy that's required to sustain that is just a heartbeat away from disappearing. Who is the one who gives you the strength to, to earn and to buy and to build It is God. We sometimes forget how precarious human life is. And although we we may not feel that looking at our bank balance or looking at our larder or looking at our home, that we are kind of in any danger of going without, we need to remember that all of us are dependent upon God and his provision every day. Give us today our daily bread. Some people, one of the greatest things that they need and the greatest things that they can experience is forgiveness. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. What a wonderful, freeing thing it is to be forgiven. Some people go to bed every night with a guilty conscience. Some people wake up every morning 
with a gnawing, guilty conscience. They simply can't get over the line of what they've done, of what they've thought. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's a a relationship that you've broken or a relationship of distance and you're maintaining the distance. Maybe it's something you've taken that was not yours. Maybe it's something you're longing for that's not good for you. Maybe it's something you've, you've said or thought or felt. It's gnawing at you. So difficult. Maybe it is a problem with someone else. You've been hurt by someone else. And sometimes people can hurt us so badly, we just can't get over it. We feel that we maybe, maybe might be able to forget. We find it difficult to know how we can ever forgive. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive those who sin against us. I kind of tend to think of forgiveness as something that comes through one very narrow tube. The forgiveness that comes down from God to us, but also the forgiveness that comes from us to others. If there's any kind of clog in the tube, it seems to me that an experience of unforgiveness makes it difficult for us to experience the joy of being forgiven. Just somehow interrupts the flow and the experience. There is something freeing about forgiveness. When we know that Father God has forgiven us our sins, we are set free. The burden is rolled away. The chains are off. And when we come to forgive others, it's very freeing too. They say, don't they, that um, when you forgive another person, two people are set free. Obviously, the person that you forgive is set, set free but you're set free too because you're not carrying around the resentment, the bitterness and the hatred. We're dependent upon God. We're dependent upon God for his mercy. And if we've received mercy, we need to be those who exercise mercy. Do you struggle with forgiving others? We praise God that God doesn't struggle to forgive us. He loves so much that he gives his son to die that we might be forgiven. He is concerned that we experience his forgiveness and therefore we ought not to withhold forgiveness from other people. Of course, the um, the best way to to avoid um, the need for asking for forgiveness is to ask God to keep us Um, away from um, temptation and lead us not into temptation to ask God's help I love that prayer or that statement about prayer in Hebrews that says we have boldness to approach the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and grace to help in time of need and that's what Jesus has been speaking about in this prayer mercy, we all need that and grace to help us in time of need. What's your Monday morning going to look like? Where are you going to be um, at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning? What are you going to be facing? What challenges in your workplace, your place of study, your home, your community, might challenge you to 
be distracted or go astray or bring shame upon yourself or shame upon God. We can pray, can't we? Lead us not into temptation. Keep us from that which might kidnap us and take us away into a lifestyle which is not godly. Now, how can we be sure that God is listening? That's the great challenge of prayer, isn't it? Are we kind of on one end of the telephone and somehow the other end of the telephone line is dead? Is anyone listening? My, there's a lot of prayers that are prayed. Think about today. Millions of people have been praying. Every, every morning, people say their prayers. Is anyone listening? How can we be sure that God is listening? Of course, Jesus tells this story in the second part of our reading to demonstrate that God is listening. When Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. Suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children are, and I are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. With God, it's never midnight. God is eternal. There is no time. He is never harassed or bothered by our approaches. God is eternally on it. God is eternally responsive. He eternally hears. He never puts us on answer phone. He never puts us on hold. He is the God who hears. He is the God who responds. He's alive to us. He's alive to us in every moment. He's more attentive than the parent who wakes at the moment they hear their babies cry in the middle of the night. No, God is better than this man. This man did get up when he heard his neighbour knocking. Um, God is better than the neighbour. He is more responsive than the neighbour. Praise God. He will get up and give bread. Interesting that in the story and in the prayer, there's the mention of bread, uh, the vital thing, the thing that's needed to sustain. Yes, he'll give the vital thing. It's wonderful, isn't it, that the gifts that God gives are the things that we have need of. Not like those Christmas presents that need to be returned to Marks and Spencers after Christmas because they don't quite fit um, our frame or our tastes. God knows what we need before we ask him, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5. God is better than our best neighbour. Think of those words that Jesus speaks there. Everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I've always kind of wondered about those words. Ask, seek, knock. Um, They're not simply a formula. Do A, B, C, and then D will arise. They seem to be saying something, don't they, about an ascending order of urgency in prayer. Ask. Seek. Knock. Now, some people, you know, they they make a request 
whether it be to a human being or God, and they ask once, and they leave it at that. They're going to feel, well, okay, if um, nothing happens, well, nothing's happened. Ask, seek, knock. See, Jesus seems to be saying to us that God wants to give to his people. There is no reluctance upon God's part that needs to be overcome by our prayers. God is better than the man at midnight. The man who says, me and my children are in bed. We're not getting up. You know, it's late. God is better than that man. We don't need to overcome the reluctance of God. We need to enjoy the willingness of God to give to us. Sometimes people grow up with the assumption that God is, in his default option, against us. God's default option is not to be against us, but to be for us. He is a God who delights to give. God the Father is not less dependable than a slightly scratchy kind of neighbour who's woken up um, at midnight. Persistence. What are you praying for? What do you long for? Maybe a family member to be converted. Maybe someone who's struggling with illness that you'd like to see well. Maybe an intractable situation at work, something that you're really worried about, a difficult boss, a problem employee. Maybe you're concerned about real exams, face-to-face exams that are coming up very, very soon. And whether those scraps of paper scattered around your room that we call revision will be enough on the day. Ask. Seek. Knock. Because God delights to give. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, know, uh, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? John, here's a pizza. It's in this box. Enjoy it with your family when you get home. You have to imagine the box. John, here is a pizza. It's in the box. Please, please, take it home. Take it home to be with your family. You need to take it home. Yeah, go on then, yeah, fine. Now, John would be surprised, wouldn't he, when he got home, if he opened the box and found a landmine in the box. That wouldn't be a pleasant surprise, would it? And obviously, you don't know me. But I hope you know enough about me to know that I wouldn't be that unkind as a human being towards another human being, particularly someone who's given me such a warm welcome. How much more will your Father in Heaven give what is good and wholesome to you? More. That's the thing, isn't it? There is always more with God. There is always more. I remember hearing someone uh, teaching about counselling, and and he was asked this question, you know, if, if you had one last sermon to preach... What would be the title? What would be the subject? And he said, well, if if I had one last sermon to preach, 
and I knew that I'd never preach again, I would have the title, There is More. There is more. There is an abundance in God. There is a generosity in God the Father. And we must not narrow his generosity. How much more will your Father give? And here on the day of Pentecost, we, we remember that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Sorry, not quite there um, yet. The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Someone has said that we do not possess the Holy Spirit. We are given the Holy Spirit, but we do not possess the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us. The Holy Spirit is given to us on a daily basis. He is enjoyed, he is experienced on a daily basis. He is experienced as we are open to him. His influences, his power, his direction is experienced as we long for him, as we don't grieve him and as we don't quench him, but as we receive him and as we are daily filled with him. All of us are filled with something. Some of us are filled with junk. Some of us are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's room, there's room for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There is room for us to experience the love of God, the power of God, the provision of God in this gift. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I guess all of us could do with a little bit more of that love, joy and peace and so much more that the Holy Spirit brings. I guess all of us could do with a little bit more of that power. All of us could do with a little bit more of that ability to shine a spotlight on Jesus. How much more will he give the Spirit to those who ask him? I wonder what you would have felt if you were the disciples on that day when they saw Jesus praying, moved by the Holy Spirit, calling out to his Father. Would you have said, Lord, teach me to pray? I hope that you've received tonight enough to nudge you towards praying this prayer and experiencing this Father God through faith in Jesus. That you might know the life-giving stream of the Holy Spirit working in your life. This is the prayer Jesus taught. Father, heaven, hallowed name, kingdom come. Give today daily bread. I can't read the Forgive our sins, lead us from evil. That's the prayer he teaches us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we would thank you so much this evening that we've been able to eavesdrop for a moment into the prayer life of the Lord Jesus and the relationship that he had with you His eternal Father, you are Heavenly Father. 
think he would have been able to take a look at his interaction with his disciples and what he's taught his disciples about how they might connect to you in prayer. Father God, we would pray that you would teach us to pray. We pray that even if we've been praying for a long time. We pray that you would help us to experience great freedom and intimacy in drawing near to you, the living God. We pray that you'll help us to grow in that sense that you are our centre, that you are the source and security of our lives. And Father God, we pray that you'll help us to grow in our sense of dependence. We might learn what it is to receive, to receive more of you. And today on this day of Pentecost, we pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us as a congregation. You would pour out your love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that you have given. We pray more of you in my life today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. John, thank you very much. I'm sure it's been really helpful for us this evening. Thank you. Let's uh, sing our final closing hymn. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Let's stand to sing.
Oh, please sit down. I um, just have some news to share with you. Um, I know that uh, many of you know that um, Toby Young, perhaps a lot of you don't know him, but you'll know Josh Young and Vicky uh, White. Uh, their brother has been suffering greatly for a long time, had a very troubled life, and many of you would have known that this morning he was taken to intensive care. And he has also passed away this morning. Uh, so it's very sad news. And whilst many of us won't know him very well, there are some here who've invested hours of compassion and love towards him. So let's pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for what we've heard this evening. And we pray that you'll teach us how to pray. Lord, we thank you that you are our Father and you provide for all that we need. Thank you for your love toward us. And now, Lord, as we once again share in the bereavement and sadness of loss, we're reminded that we live in a world that is uncertain. We're reminded that we live in a world of sin and the results of sin in this world and we suffer in different ways. We especially pray for Harriet and her family this evening. We ask that as they grieve that you'll comfort them. We thank you for those who've shown such love and compassion to Toby throughout his life, especially in these last years, and we pray that you'll comfort them too. Lord, help us to be strong in the Lord and to know his comfort at this time. So Lord, bless us as we leave. We thank you that you go with us and Lord, we pray that you'll know, we'll know your presence this week as we seek to serve you in our lives, as we seek to draw near to you in prayer. Lord, do draw alongside us and bless us, we pray. Amen.